Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Hancock. 24 hours of Circuit of the Americas on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. And peering out to the exit of Turn 20 on what is a beautiful day. It's a little chilly, you may say, but the sun is out now in stark contrast to yesterday when it rained in this area for much of the well early afternoon and morning as well. I think it brightened up, though, towards the end of the day. And the weather forecast suggests we're not going to have any more of the wet stuff for the rest of the weekend, but it is going to get potentially rather chilly late at night. My name's Johnny Palmer. I'm joined by Shay Adam and Paul Truswell in our commentary box then that has a great view of pit lane entry as well and we'll keep you tuned to all the stories over this free practice session which is about to get started 90 minutes of it and we're about uh, five minutes away from the, that session starting already had a little bit of drama up and down the pit lane not least for speed lover of belgium because although no, none of us saw it uh, there are some crinkles on the roof uh, of that Porsche Shay, which suggests it's been over and uh, all four wheels facing the wrong direction. Well, it, it is appropriate, Johnny Palmer, that on this weekend, where the Macau Grand Prix is also going on, that the speed right. lover Porsche tried to imitate factory Porsche driver Lawrence Fantor by spending some time on the roof this weekend. But thankfully, the car, which was righted, uh, didn't seem to have too much damage to it. And Paul Truswell reporting back to us last night that the windshield, as a matter of fact, wasn't even cracked. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yes, and it was a fairly low speed topple rather than a roll, I think is the best way to describe it. The car went straight on at turn one, got uh, bogged down in the gravel. Uh, and then the two wheels, right-hand wheels, just dug in and it kind of as I say toppled onto its roof rather than anything dramatic uh, I'm fairly sure it was Richard Fairburg uh, the driver of the uh, speed lover Porsche number 978 this car um, who was driving it at the time but as I say it was brought back uh, on the back of a flatbed and uh, it was wheeled off um, the, the, the flatbed trailer and I would be surprised if it's not fit to go uh, and participate in this free practice session uh, which I think is going to be very interesting because, as I say, it was so wet yesterday, although a lot of cars were out, there was very little to learn. I think today uh, we've got far more to learn and uh, we're going to see how much the temperature fluctuates, even over an hour and a half of this session. I think the temperature fluctuation uh, just in this first free practice session is going to be significant. I don't think there's any doubt about the fact that the 911 Porsche, uh, which has great form here in recent years, it's not called the 911 Porsche anymore, though, is it? Porsche uh, The 91 car is what I mean, ah. um, because there's been a renumbering system uh, at the start of the year, which actually puts the, all the Porsches that start with the number 9 into the 991 class. Uh, and various other numbers have been rejigged as well. But 2017 race win to Daniel Alleman, Ralph Bone, Robert Renauer and Alfred... Alfred Renauer, which was the 911 Porsche in those days, but effectively the 91 car. And they, they led overnight last year as well, but eventually it was a victory for a Black Falcon Mercedes of Yelma Berman, Mike Skeen, Scott Heckert and Brett Curtis. So Porsche 
clearly have are a good car to have around here but th there is at least one well there's a black falcon mercedes in gt3 there's also one in gt4 as well and wherever they go around the world they are a strong outfit yeah um, i mean I, I think black falcon what what we mustn't forget about last year's race was that one of their cars the it was the number three car last year had about a three lap lead when it crashed um Hubert Haupt from memory shows me a better memory from it than me. Uh, I think it was Hubert Haupt crashed it or was crashed into. Um, uh, so Black Falcon coming back very much to get revenge in the nicest possible way uh, this year. Um, so, yes, I, I mean, we were talking yesterday, Shay and I, about who was the obvious favourite and whether there was an obvious favourite or not. I mean, certainly Herbert, um, you know, that they're obviously a team you have to look out for. But for my money, the Mercedes plus Black Falcon running it just represents a very strong package. And their driver lineup, Paul. That's, yes. that's the part that I really have a hard time overlooking. Their weak link will be Felipe Fraga, who has never raced here before. I know, you're shaking your head at that, considering the words weak link and Felipe Fraga in the same sentence. It's a bit absurd. His first laps ever around Cirque of the Americas were yesterday during the taxi rides, in which he drove Ben Keating's 700-horsepower Jeep around the track. It was him. It was him. Right, okay. um, well, for part of the time. But he didn't do his teammates any favors because Jerome Blakemolen and Cooper McNeil were sitting in the back seat of the Jeep and both of them experiencing sickness upon exiting the vehicle. Um, but they share that car, the key name out of that equation, Ben Keating. This is a place that he thrives at. He got three wins in four years at this track, was looking strong to get that win last year as well, as we were talking about before the car saw damage that ultimately ended its race. But Keating and this track just go hand in hand. It really is like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, that was a Ben Keating, Lucas Stoltz, Hubert Hout, and Kieran Blakemolen uh, Mercedes, which was the number two car last year, with the number Correct. three car winning Berman, Skeen, Heckett, and Curtis, as I've already mentioned. So that's Paul Truswell, Shay Adam, and I'm Johnny Palmer, and I've already talked to you about. We also have two other names uh, to conjure with in the pit lane this weekend, and also looking after grid walks and podiums as well. Nick Damon, and let's bring Joe Bradley in, first of all. Where are you in the pit lane? Morning, everybody. Um, well, I'm just in the pit lane towards pit out. Uh, I've got to say, perfect conditions for uh, some motor racing. Um, we've had two unofficial practice sessions pretty much all day yesterday. However, just wipe the slate clean, start again, because yesterday, torrential rain pretty much the whole day. The track did dry towards the end, but it was very, very cold. Whereas now, as the green flag flies to start this 90-minute practice session, this is pretty much going to be the first time these runners have got a very consistent track condition. All right, there are damp patches out there, but you know what? The ambient temperature is coming up very nicely. I'm almost about to discard a layer of clothing. That's how pleasant it is. Most impressive. Uh, so that's Joe and Nick Damon raring to go at the other end of the pit lane. Else? Oh, hello, Johnny. Yes, I am uh, slightly uh, uh, further down towards uh, pit in, and as Joe says, the sun is out, but I'm uh, near uh, getting rid of a layer of I think it's still pretty chilly out here. That's the... Uh, for asking you know, thinking about this uh, weather in Austin we've had over the last few days much cold but it's going to get warmer but less warm during the course of the weekend and uh, yeah I think it's interesting that these drivers they've all had plenty of time on the track and they wanted it because of the optical test but it was probably uh, wet the track itself is still not that least dry um, but everyone seems to be coming out it's all all just go up to the pits no one's getting a piece 
Capaldi off for the hour and a half, but they've started already. The first minute is away. That's Nick Damon and Joe Bradley in the pit lane here at Circuit of the Americas with green flags waving then up and down the pit lane and indeed all the way around this 20-corner circuit. And at least half the field heading out onto track. 29 cars listed on our latest timing and scoring screen. The website would uh, have you believe there's 30, but... I notice a double up effectively for the number 450 BMW M4 of RHC Jorgensen slash Strom. It's Darren Jorgensen, Brett Strom, uh, Danny Van Dongen and John Miller. Uh, it, the entry list tells us they're here with two BMWs, but I didn't only see one in the garage yesterday. And two Kelly Moss Road and Race Porsches as well. Ah. Uh, 906 and 911 listed. But yesterday I saw what is normally Alan Metney's uh, IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge by Yokohama Car running around just putting random numbers on the side of the car quite honestly there was a four there was a six they were just in a, a slightly different order i can't help but wonder if maybe that was just for a little bit of extra track time i count 25 now johnny in my last run through of the entry list okay but we'll see how many cars actually take to the circuit this morning as as we've touched on and joe i can't help but think might be exaggerating just a little bit with shedding a layer so soon it is chilly out and the what is it with guys from Sunderland trying to be nice and brave about how warm it is outside? It's not. I've got a blanket. Um, it's useful running this morning, which we haven't seen any of so far this weekend because it has not only been painfully cold, but wet. And today, not a cloud in the sky. Beautiful Texas day. Yeah, that doesn't help the temperature a great deal, though, of course, because a clear night means it means that the temperature was, well, not as low as it was earlier on in the week, which was minus figures. You were here then. Uh, but uh, yeah, set to improve, I think temperature-wise and indeed sunshine-wise throughout the weekend. And Monday and Tuesday look like great days. How long are you staying for afterwards, Paul? Uh, Monday. Monday evening. into the night and I think uh, one, of, one of the bits of homework that I do before an event is to look back at how many uh, caution periods, how many code sixes we've had in previous years and te it, this tends to be uh, a pretty safe race, in other words pretty uh, uneventful race in the sense of incidents. Um, the two races we've had so far here in 2017 and 2018 both went to over 600 laps and they were both differently configured. Um, the first event we had was a 14 hours followed by 10 hours. The second event was 13 followed by 11. Uh, this year is 11 followed by 13. 13. Um, so it's the first time we've had more hours on a Sunday than a Saturday. Yeah. And actually, the span of the race is greater than it's been in the past as well. Cause it, in terms of the distance from the, from the point they start time racing. On, yeah. So in terms of local time, the time we start racing, yeah. and local time, the time we finish racing. 2017 was 33 hours. 2018 was 33 hours. 2019, 33 and a half hours. Okay, right. Huh. Um, so, uh, I mean, the good thing is we can all go to bed, um, which makes change for a 24-hour race. Um, but no, I th I'm, uh, I, I'm looking forward to it because, as I say, I think it does have enough variety in it. The entry list um, 
is a little bit down on what we perhaps hoped for, but that will just uh, lead to hopefully even fewer incidents and an even better chance of breaking through into a uh, over 600 lap kind of distance. And the quality up at the front end is certainly there. Um, and a great deal of variety as well. Yes, we've talked about the Mercedes, we've talked about the Porsches, um, the Vault Racing Porsche. Um, oh. I'd be interested on um, Shay's uh, opinion on the Vault Racing car, the number 73 car. Um, Trent Heinemann I've heard of, uh, and I won't say I know him, but I've heard of. Jan Hyland I've heard of, or Halen. Um, I, I don't know the other two, Richard Hellstand and Alan Brynjolfsson, so um, but the car itself is a very quick car. It is, and that's the car that has run in MSO all year as Park, Park Place, Place Racing. Yeah, because so Park Place are running it here, aren't Correct, they? and it's, it's wearing the bright yellow livery of Volt Racing, which is Alan Brynjolfsson's company. He does Volt Lighting. He's driven the past couple of years with Trent Hinman. They've been very successful both in the Blancpain of the Americas Championship and in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. They've shared cars frequently. So it would be Alan who's bringing the majority of the budget towards this program. And he is definitely the least accomplished of the drivers in the car. Jan Halen was a last minute addition because Spencer Pompelli was supposed to be in that car. He's suffering from the flu, so he couldn't come out. Jan stepped up, filled in for his friend. Richard Highstand is somebody who ran in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship all year in GTD, shared a car with Jack Hawksworth and got a couple of wins for Lexus and Aim Vassar Sullivan, but that relationship terminated at the end of Petit Le Mans, so Richard looking for a new home for next year, and this could be a very good signal as to where he winds up for the 2019 be interesting to see how the uh, how the car goes sometimes already coming in with the uh, top of the list at the moment uh, the black falcon mercedes car number four Karen blake molen having set the fastest lap at two minutes 11.013 second fastest is one of the top sport mercedes we talked about top sport yet but we must because they are also a contender for victory lucas stoltz at the wheel of the number 90 top sport mercedes he's done a two minutes 12.245 and third fastest is that Volt Racing Porsche about which Shay and I were just talking, number 73, uh, that in the hands of Richard Haystad. Let's get another quick word from Joe Bradley from the pits. Well, it was more of a question to you guys, but as, I, uh, as I'm asking this question, the question is being answered in front of my very eyes. Down at Garage uh, 28, this is the Speed Lover Garage, and you guys mentioned the 978 Porsche ending up on its roof. So I've come down here to have a look for that car. The car isn't in the garage. I was going to ask you guys if the car is out on track. Well, I don't have to ask you now because the car is being pushed up the pit lane by its crew. Uh, I don't know where it's been. It maybe has been for scrutineering after the repair job. I'm just going to scoot off the pit wall and give you guys a bit of a description of just how badly damaged, if at all, um, Paul did mention that it was kind of a relatively harmless flip onto its roof and right now the car showing no signs whatsoever of any sort of damage whatsoever. Uh, the roof fully intact, uh, in fact it's gleaming and pristine. Well done guys, what a cracking job this crew have done to put that car back together. It, it looks like it's showroom quality. Uh, you might have to do a bit of detective work because it might even be a, a new car. Um, and say there were some crinkles in the roof um, yesterday, so that they, Speed Lover uh, may well have sourced themselves another car from somewhere. So a little bit of detective work required, I think, Joe, just to uh, establish what's going on with that car. And a reminder that Paul reckons it was Richard Fairberg at the wheel as well. So if Richard's around for a quick conversation, then uh, it'd be interesting to hear his take on that whole uh, little drama yesterday. 
Um, already the A6 cars making their way to the sharp end of the field with three of the pro entry there. Uh, the only one that's not up at the pointy end is the number 91 Porsche of Robert Renau so far. But Jeroen Blakemolen fastest with a 209.282 from Jan Halen, who perhaps didn't expect to be here with just days to go in the 73 uh, Volt Racing Porsche. So that car just nearly four tenths of a second slower than Blake Camolan. Then Nick Foster, the Aussie who drives the best of the A6 AM cars. Top Sport WRT here with two machines, one in AM, one in Pro. They're both Mercedes AMG GT3s, and the 70 car is faster than the number 90 so far, but only by uh, what uh, 1.8 seconds. And then it is Nikolai Rogivu, the Swiss in number 41 for HB Racing. That Ferrari uh, was looking doubtful that there were going to be any drivers just what yesterday when I checked, but uh, there is the full complement now alongside HB Racing's Ferrari of Nick Mancuso, uh, Angelo Negro and Nikolai Rogivu, as I've mentioned. Got a very frantic uh, Instagram message the other day from Nick Mancuso, actually Johnny, who said, uh, are you going to be at the Coda 24 hour? I said, yes. And he goes, cool, cool. So am I. Um, what's Creventic like? Ah. And I said, oh, it's great. What did you say? I was going to say, what did you say? Uh, I, was, I, was, I praise this event all year long. I keep telling IMSA teams that they need to come run it because it's so laid back. It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And you get so much track time. I mean, it's, it's just a fantastic event. But it was funny to get a notification saying, yeah, I've just been told I'm going to be driving in this event. Um, what do I need to expect? <laughs> Well, I think you've got to experience a Creventic weekend to fully understand it, but uh, it's, it's an incredibly friendly place, very accessible as well, uh, and as, as Shay has mentioned, the amount of track time you get per weekend is most impressive. Bring Paul in on that in just a second, but Joe, you're down with Speed Lover. Yeah, Paul, Paul's uh, suspicions were correct. It's, uh, it's, it's not quite a reshell, but it's certainly a swap job. They've had a spare chassis, and they've swapped a lot of the parts from the damaged car, um, it didn't quite go into detail just how damaged the car was, but it was damaged enough for it not to take any further part in the event. But they've, they've managed to swap the necessary bits and pieces, electronics and, uh, and whatever else. He didn't really go into much detail about that, but it is a new chassis, a different chassis, on the, uh, which is now numbered 978 for Speed Lover. Hmm. So, as you suspected, perhaps, Paul Trustwell. Um, 208.2 we're down to now, but a very good time for qualifying closer to a 206 we have had a 205 as well in previous years so uh, a little way to go just yet paul thoughts on creventic for for a newbie um yeah i think you said it all actually johnny uh, you have to experience it you have to uh, you have to have come and been and uh, seen the way that creventic's organization works it's very much oriented towards the competitor and they will do anything they can in order to try and make things easy for the competitors up to the point that uh, you know it, it's um, everything is safe and as it should be so uh, no i think uh, it's, it, the point i was going to make was really about hb racing good to have them here um and um two of the three drivers the same drivers as last year i think angelo negro and nikolai rogivu were in the car last year so uh, nick mancuso joining a team that should know its way around at uh, the circuit of the americas 
Uh, I also want to just to uh, quickly point out the TCE division, because as ever in a Creventi race, we have these two races within the race, one for the GT cars, one for the TCE division. Uh, the TCE division is currently being led by good old Stuart Hall, um, or he's the fastest in this uh, uh, free practice session thus far in Carnival 107. It's a Monlau competition entry, which is a Spanish team. Monlau, uh, fairly regular. They haven't been out in all the Creventic races this year, but fairly regular in Creventic races. Uh, but they've got a team of British drivers. They've got Tom Black, David Tin, Chris Kemp, and as I say, Stuart Hall, who's been out there, and he's set the fastest lap in the TCE division at the moment at 2 minutes 25.179. Um, and that's comfortably two seconds quicker than anybody else. Vincent Rademacher currently at the wheel of the 188 AC Motorsport Audi. Uh, and then he is a further half a second ahead of Evo Broikers, who's at the wheel of the Red Camel Jordans.nl Cupra. So uh, the TCE division is one that we'll be keeping an eye on over the course of the weekend. And uh, so we've got battles between VW Golfs, Cupras, uh, and there is also a Honda Civic out there in the uh, TC division as well. Yes. <laughs> Atlanta Speedworks. Um, tell us about Atlanta Speedworks then, Shay. They're the local USA team. Well, not local, because Atlanta's miles away. But Yeah. For, <laughs> Local-ish. For, for a British guy, anything in America is quite close to each other, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was... Uh, blowing the guys minds yesterday that we were able to drive what was it johnny 75 miles for a couple was it 75 you're, <laughs> you're, like you're not doing the driving <laughs> i heard it was 60 miles there and 60 miles back for yeah a that, was, that was they were very nice cakes yeah but it, it took no time at all because when you're in texas everything is so spaced out but it's so easily accessible and i suppose that's a little bit for the u.s but anyway i digress atlanta speedworks a team that ran the michelin pilot challenge this year their debut season and going up against the might of teams such as brian herda autosport they had a very good showing uh this year finished fourth on a couple of occasions but they were a very smart team paul because the new honda tcr car instead of needing to wait in the queue to get spare parts they ordered two cars so when something would go wrong on their main car, they could cannibalize the second one for parts and not compromise their weekend at all. Uh, Todd Lamb and Brian Henderson, two of the drivers this weekend, they ran the full season, and I think they were fourth in the championship at the end of the day. So a very good run for those guys. They always, always, always have fun, and that's what's important. So they are going to love this event. I think that's uh, a critical part of uh, Creventic racing is, yes, the, uh, the having fun aspect. The majority of people are um, here paying their, uh, say paying, paying for their uh, motorsport rather than being paid to be here. And uh, as a result of that, um, having fun is very important indeed. The other thing that we will be talking about over the course of the weekend will be the Championship of the Continents, um, there being two um, championships within the 24H series. We've done and dusted Europe. We now have the continents to deal with, uh, and it's very close indeed in both GT and Touring Car Division. So we'll be talking about that a lot as well. Joe, some more news from the pit lane from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with the number 188. That's the AC Motorsport Audi RS3. It's a... It's in the TCR class of our TCE race, uh, TCE race Touring Car Endurance Series. Um, people may be wondering, 90-minute session, what's, what, what's that all about? Is it just about the drivers? Just to mention the drivers, Stefan Perrin, Vincent Rademacher, who are familiar with this car and team. Matthew Taskinen, who's a Canadian driver. And William Neal, for all our British listeners, um, he's the son of Matt Neal, British Touring Car legend, Matt Neal's son. 
here just uh, learning the craft. Um, getting back to what I was about to tell you, um, we've got um, a lot of the teams just going through a jobs list of preparing for the race in this 90-minute session. And right now, the 188 Audi is uh, just having its brake pads, it's, uh, the full brake systems on all four corners being changed, and that's calibre and disc as one unit go coming off the car and another set of pads and discs that's brake rotors for all our American listeners, seeing as we're in the US, uh, being put on the car. Now, that's not because the set that's come off is worn out. That's They are being bedded in. They are being matched. The pads are being matched and uh, basically wearing to the disc so that you get maximum braking efficiency on all four corners. And right now, we're just going through the motions of, uh, as the drivers uh, acclimatise to the track and learn the track, uh, as well as that, we are preparing parts for the race because we are indeed going to see some brake swaps and brake changes going on throughout the 24 hours, I'm no doubt. Thanks, Joe. It'd be interesting to catch up with uh, Matt Taskinen at some point because he's uh, still in his teenage years and I've only got him doing Formula 1600 back in Homeland Canada uh, last year. But prior to that, nothing. So this is, uh, again, a little bit of a baptism of fire heading into his first endurance race so early on in his career from uh, Alberta, Canada. And, uh, yeah, as Joe mentions, Will Neal, his brother of Henry Neal, both sons of triple British Touring Car champion and uh, regular commentator these days as well for the World TCR Championship, joining Martin Haven. Um, Matt, I don't think he's here this weekend, but... Uh, uh, Will certainly is, and racing that car. So the two fastest machines that have put times in already in this 90-minute session, the number four Mercedes and the number 73 Porsche, both back in the pits. And in fact, now Robert Renau has decided to uh, knock that particular run on the head, and the 91 car's back in pit lane, as is Nikolai Rogivu in the A6AM Ferrari for HB Racing. Rocky Vu not part of their lineup at HB Racing last year. I think actually the only guy that was was Angelo Negro. Was it? Okay. Uh, but Edward Lewis Browner was in the lineup. Was um, it? Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, John. I was doing it from memory. You've obviously done a bit of research. I've just looked well, it up. Um, <laughs> cheating. <laughs> so, not at all. Um, so I'm pretty sure that Rocky Vu was here last year, but he must have been in something else. Um, so uh, we'll um, have to pick that one up and uh, research it. Um, I just wanted to go back briefly to talk about championship standings. We heard from Joe a moment ago about the AC Motorsport car. Uh, that is currently 14 points off the teams overall uh, in touring car division. Uh, they have 44 points to Autorama's uh, 58 points. That's the 112 car. Autorama with two cars here this weekend. So uh, touring cars uh, not quite so closely matched as they are in the GT division. Here's a bit more from the pits and Nick Damon. Yeah, so just down at the uh, entry side, we've got a nice sandwich here of the HB Ferrari and the Herbeth um, Porsche. The interesting thing to me is what, what this particular Porsche has been doing before, because it's got a sticker on the back saying Pro-Am. Also, the base colour of this car is red, though it's been heavily wrapped in black. So to me, this is a different chassis again from either of the two chassis they've used uh, during the season. For the, for the, because, of course, we've had two entries from Herbeth. They've normally had a base coat of white, and this is a base coat of red. So perhaps it's one of their many other, they could be their uh, GT Open car or their, uh, uh, the machine they use occasionally uh, at the Nürburgring uh, VLN races. But it's, yeah, it's kind of a, a never-ending rotation of cars there for her. But they've actually had, they, they came in to do what, what uh, Joe was describing, which is the bedding in of the discs and brakes. 
Uh, they found a little problem. Um, if we were to think back into the garage and the computer's plugged in, which is never a good sign, but uh, I suppose you're going to have a slight software glitch-free practice the time to have it. Uh, and, yeah, all up the pit lane now. People have done, what, 10, 15 minutes, and they've uh, worn in a set of pads and uh, discs, which will see action again probably either late at night on Saturday or early in the morning on Sunday. The two Herberth cars at Barcelona, Paul, were wearing funny liveries. They weren't in the traditional sneaky white Porsche. Uh, well, no, the, the Herberth's liveries for 2019 have been um, what Heintoff called the, um, the, the crossword uh, livery, and that yes. has been that livery for the year. Um, quite what has gone on with the car that uh, Nick was just describing, uh, we're going to have to get him to find out, I suspect, and uh, as uh, Nick was saying, I mean, Herbert have had a number of cars in a number of series over the course of this year, but crossword kind of pattern has been their uh, season livery for the year. Um, but of course, the feature, one of the features of uh, Creventic races is that um, the cars get shipped, they don't get flown, they get shipped, um, mm. which means it takes a little bit longer to get them here than it would otherwise, and it may well be that Herbert said, okay, if we're going to have this car uh, on the road or on the sea for what amounts to about 10 days to get here, uh, then we'll send, send this one. Uh, some fabulously looking cars uh, this weekend. One of the most eye-catching, I would argue, is the is the SIN, the S-I-N, however you rightly say it. I assume it's SIN. R1 GT4 from Racers Edge Motorsport. Joe Bradley's with the team now and has caught up with Jade Bu Bu Buford. You'd get no argument from me, Johnny, with regards to the aesthetics of this car. It's a beautiful-looking car. Jade, Jade Buford, you've just brought the uh, 401 in. Um, is it as good as it looks? Uh, yeah, the Racer's Edge guys do an amazing job with this car. They've been campaigning it for the last few years. Uh, I was very lucky to be involved with them when they first started with this car. And we won a lot of races and had a lot of success with it. It's a great platform. Uh, it's a European car, obviously. It looks like a, a supercar, which it basically is. It's just a detuned supercar. So it's the Racer's Edge guys have done an amazing job developing this car and getting it going. And it's very competitive, and we're pretty confident we'll have a good car for 24 hours. <laughs> I mean, it, it has the looks of a little sports prototype, doesn't it? I'm trying to think of what it looks like. It's a cross between a, a Lotus Evora and a Ferrari 488, I think. It's, it's got that kind of look. Um, it's been detuned, did you see? Is that to bring it down to GT4 spec? Yeah, just a BOP process. And each car in the GT4 category has its strengths and weaknesses. Like you said, it's kind of like a prototype. The, the arrow on the Sen is very, very strong. So we are very good. So it's a narrow car. Narrow car, very much so, even for uh, GT4 specs. Uh, so we have to set it up and think about our setup to go with that, play to our strengths. We may not be the strongest down the straightaways, but we're usually the strongest in the corners. So what? It's a mid-engine sports car, isn't it? Um, what sort of motor is it running? Uh, it's a LS3, so a Chevy V8, great motor. Say no more. That's why it sounds as good as that. It it's got a huge, what you would call muffler here at the rear. I would need that, I would imagine. Pretty sure everybody here would be fine if that muffler disappeared. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll campaign for that. Jane, I'll, I'll talk to you later on um, about what this session's about. It's a 90-minute practice session. Um, is it just to get you guys sort of tuned in? Yeah. Track's dry now? Uh, I've had a, probably the most experience of all the drivers here, so they wanted to get me first in, get a baseline, and now we're just going to try to run through all the drivers, get everybody some seat time, get them up to speed as best we can. Decision being made as to who's qualifying? A decision has been made as to who's qualifying? I don't know. I think it's kind of unusual to have a 45-minute uh, qualifying, so we may treat it a bit as a practice session, 
And then at some point, may throw on a set of stickers and see what we got. But I don't think any direct decisions are made who's going to do that. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Jed. Great to meet you. Yeah, that thing pushes out about 444 brake horsepower and 0 to 62 miles per hour in three and a half seconds. Uh, actually, Bulgarian uh, manufacturer, Sin Cars, Rosan Daskalov, founding it seven years ago. Um, so they've been in and around motorsport, but I don't... Have we had a Sin before in a Creventic race? I don't think so, no. no. Um, husband and wife team uh, run it. Uh, Rosan's Edge. With, with his... No, no, the... Um, the, the uh, Sin, Sin manufacturer company team. back okay. in, uh, in Bulgaria where they started from. Mm. Um, but uh, it runs, as uh, Jay was saying there, in GT4. Uh, Jade currently having done the second fastest time in GT4 at 2 minutes 20.410. Uh, he's just a tenth of a second slower than the Windward Racing Mercedes. Uh, Shay and I were talking about that uh, before we actually started uh, broadcasting, but Windward Racing are here with 433, their GT4 Mercedes. Uh, so we've got Mercedes leading, uh, courtesy of the 433 car, which I think it was Russell Ward did the time in earlier on, of 2 minutes 20.283. Then we've got the Sin uh, number 401, second fastest in GT4. And then third fastest in GT4 is number 388, um, slightly going against the numbering system. Um, but uh, this is the ST Racing BMW. So uh, there's variety in GT4. Maybe not as many GT4 cars as we would like, but nevertheless, let's say a good variety. Mercedes leading Sin, leading BMW at the moment. We were talking about the AC Motorsport Audi RS3 LMS a little bit earlier on, and Matthew Taskinen done a bit of digging into him Johnny and he might just be the best driver in that car because he has run in the Canadian Touring Car Championship this year ah. in an Audi RS3 LMS so he's got a lot of relevant track experience in a very similar car not the exact same car and on a slightly different tire compound but two wins to start the year at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park a third at Calabogie a win at Shannonville and a second at Shannonville those tracks take a lot of guts to get a win at and so Matthew clearly has the chops to be competitive in that car and, and also in a very close category as well because you know you're talking such slim margins in TCR's uh, well since its inception effectively that's the whole point of TCR racing to make it as close as possible across lots of different manufacturers that now produce an eligible car for that type of racing so yeah, yes a task and one to look out for not only for the future but uh, this weekend 9.78 still hasn't appeared yet, the speed of a car, but we know the reasons for that. Otherwise, 28 cars have so far taken part in free practice, so we, we could get to 29 if that Porsche is well enough, uh, possibly later on in the day, to get involved in qualifying. I, I, I think we'll see it, to be honest. I don't think that uh, Speed Lover uh, will have come that this far no. uh, and then not uh, not get their car out. And I suspect it's just getting everything uh, uh, transferred over into it. Uh, the other drivers, Richard Furburg, Jerry Tan, Nigel Farmer, Pierre-Yves Puck. Uh, so it's a fairly international lineup. They've all come a long way uh, from Hong Kong, Singapore, Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, so uh, when you've come that kind of distance, you don't give up easily. And Speed Lover was the group that won Barcelona, were they not? In the 911 class? 901 class? Because Nigel Farmer was, at least. Yes, yes. 
yeah, yes, and, and Richard Verberg, and yeah, so they've got they've got a bit of pride to uphold, Paul. They want to win two in a row and finish out the season for both the European and the Championship of the Continents uh, in the the right order. Um, yes, just looking down in the because even within the GT class, um, actually they're not that well placed in the terms of uh, the Championship of the Continents. Uh, the way the Championship of the Continents works, being the uh, score point score from Dubai, the point score from this race, and then the better of the two of Portimao and Barcelona. Uh, hmm. So you're only allowed to count one of the uh, the European races, but you're allowed to count uh, as many as you want of the others. Um, so um, as I say, in terms of what uh, I was saying earlier on with uh, GT Championship points, Leipzig Motorsport with their Lamborghini, um, that's going to be the car that's looking for points. It has a three-point advantage in the overall team's championship. The uh, life at Mike Lamborghini running is number 710, uh, but even so, it then runs as an SPX class car uh, in uh, number 710. But then on 54 points, you've got Car Collection Motorsport. You've also got uh, Scuderia Praha, who aren't here. And then on 52 points, you've got Herbert Motorsport. So three teams there within five points of each other uh, very much it's going to be a case of whoever scores highest in this round in Kota who wins the championship so that puts Herbert in the best position right since they're running a6 pro no, no well no because Leipert will still score points in SPX ah I see so it puts more pressure on, on Herbert, Herbert. Herbert's got to finish effectively get five more points than Leipert huh. um, Although they're running in different classes, in terms of the overall, um, they would have to score five more points. It's a tall order. They're going to have to get a good result and hope that Leipert doesn't get a good result. They're well, there's only three cars in SPX. So Leipert just has to finish. Yes. Right. Well, <laughs> but they do have an interesting lineup, do Leipert. Uh, they've got Harold Slaughter, who did win uh, SPX this year at Dubai and got the win at Barcelona and got the win in Portugal. Got a win here last year, so that's a very strong anchor to have in their car. But they've also got uh, two drivers that I could find very little information about: Denis Slogov and Greg Gorski. Between those two, so two unknown quantities to go with one of their very well-known, and then Alexander Sherpin and Alexei Karcharov. I'm desperately now trying to look up those guys to see if we can uh, shed a bit more light on them. But we'll do the that later that I, on. I couldn't find anything on. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck on that. Please, uh, all Greg Gorski is he, one of them, as you he say. He did Radicals. He's from the USA. Yes. That's all I can tell you. Exactly. <laughs> and the other one's probably the same. The other one is Russian. Well, this is our chance, you see, to, to interview them, interrogate them. Yes. And to try and find out exactly what they've done in the past. Could be very little. So, I'm sure for some, one or two up and down the pit lane, Creventing is their, their only experience of motorsport. So, this is, uh, you know, perfectly normal and nothing to get used to whatsoever been some drivers up and down the order that have been racing I'm sure since the the very start of Creventic which was what in the mid 2000s speaking of that um, I sent both of our pit lane reporters into a bit of a shock earlier because they were talking about uh, Harry Hilders and Gils Bessum yes and they're not here oh really and apparently they've done every Creventic race and they're not here so right. the boys were a bit frantic about that uh, no I um, that is true um, uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, shame not to see them. Um, 
I, I was hoping to talk about SPX just for a moment because the other yes. a, a, another car in SPX uh, we do have the uh, Mercedes from the Black Falcon team number four, 464 which is uh, really a GT4 car but they're running that as an SPX class car this weekend but the other one in uh, in the SPX class is the Mark II V8 uh, from Courtois Racing um, perfect car for this kind of a circuit car number 717 um, and we have to make a bit of a fuss this weekend for Jim Briody uh, who is competing in his 100th 24-hour race but more importantly his final race because he's decided to step song. aside yes quite yeah um, so uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with uh, Jim Briody at some point over the weekend I know he and Joe Bradley get on very well because they're both extremely old they've both done a lot of endurance racing um, and they've seen it all I think Part of the reason is that uh, Jim's wife, Pat, uh, is an engine builder, and Joe's great regret is that he didn't marry an engine builder, I think. Yeah, um, true enough. <laughs> Missed opportunity there, Joe. So uh, we'll hear from Joe later on, no doubt, when he catches up with Jim Briody. Uh, as I say, they're driving in the 717 Mark uh, V8. Mark to the eight, and uh, where are they in the times at the moment? Court Oiser has been out. He's done a two minutes twenty-one point eight one two, and I think Court is the only one who's actually driven the car thus far. Thirty-three minutes gone of the ninety allocated for free practice. By the way, uh, if you're looking for a, a live stream with some visual footage of this event there ain't any at the moment that's later on in the day <laughs> be, be so patient exactly yeah, but that's the that's the beauty of radio we are painting pictures with words as joe bradley so often says and hopefully keeping you in tune and giving you a flavor of how the rest of the day will pan out there's also by the way some radical sports car action on this weekend's bill and we'll be bringing that to you live on RS1 as well. If you're unsure of our schedule, then just go to RadioLeMond.com and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page and the schedule is there and it'll convert magically to your time, uh, time zone as well, assuming your clock is set correctly. So at... Uh, now, the problem is I've, I've still got my laptop set to the UK time. So oh, I can no. tell you at UK... Minus... Er, add six. So, yeah. Minus six. Minus six. So know. that means at 12.55... Uh, this afternoon, the first of the three Radical Cup USA races takes place, and that'll be John Hindoff and Shay Adam. Uh, how long's that race then? 40, 40 minutes. minutes. Okay. Three 40 minute races over the course of a weekend, including a qualifying and three practice sessions, and all that can be yours for $15,000. There you go. Yeah. And then an hour later, it will be qualifying, which is, well, our uh, broadcast time is two hours, so the session must mm -hmm. be an hour and 50. No, it's a 45-minute session and then a 15-minute break and a 45-minute session and 15 minutes. So that will be GT Series in one Correct. and then TCE Series in the next. Then there's another radical race after qualifying and night practice uh, finishes the day and we will be done by 7.30 or just after uh, when that session comes to a close. I need to find out uh, when the driver's meeting is for the Radical, just so you can go sit in, Johnny, because it's Todd Snyder, who's the race director of that, who also does the Ferrari Challenge, and his driver meetings are some of the most entertaining in the world. He shows video from in-car of the last race, whatever the last race was, yeah. of what to do, good examples of proper on-track behavior, and not exactly public shaming, but still public shaming, of videos of what not to do. And it's fantastic to be in there. It's just so much fun. <laughs>
Okay, well, uh, look forward to seeing those um, maybe later on in the weekend. We've mentioned that uh, it, the bulk of the race, well, marginally, is on Sunday, 13 hours versus 11 hours tomorrow. And the race not starting, comparatively, till later on in the day, compared to, to previous years. It's an 11.30 start tomorrow. 11.30 start on Saturday, yes. So having got, uh, in addition to the Radical uh, races, which we are covering, there's also some SCCA Prospect Racer uh, support races this weekend. They take up uh, the early morning. So the Hankook 24 Hours Kota USA starts at 11.30, runs through till 10.30, 11.30 a.m. till 10.30 at night. We then have what for me is a bizarre situation where all you're allowed to do is to put a sheet over the car. And uh, so in effect, the cars go out, come out from their uh, 11 hours of racing, get uh, plonked out on the circuit with a sheet over them. Uh, and then we all go off back to the hotel, have a couple of beers, get a good night's rest. Uh, and then this, the restart actually happens at eight o'clock on Sunday morning um, with teams allowed to go out to the cars from seven o'clock uh, in order to wheel them into their correct starting positions. And all the spectators and marshals who come in on Sunday morning who didn't see uh, any racing on Saturday, Look at all these strange European cars who come over here um, and are having a long distance race on Sunday. And they look at all these cars and then they're all filthy and got rubber all over them. And some of them have got a few dents on them. And they think, good heavens, these Europeans, they don't spend much time preparing their cars, do they? But what they forget is that we've had 11 hours of racing the day before. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so it's an eight o'clock start on um, Sunday morning. And then we go through until nine o'clock in the evening. Um, and then we uh, all gather around the podium and, uh, and scrunch up together to keep warm. <laughs> yes, because it should be a little bit chilly by that point in night. Um, good news. Speed Lover Porsche out on the track. There we are. 29 cars. Excellent. Nigel Farmer then just crossing the line now, in fact, to set the car's best time of the session. That's a, the, the first of the flying laps that he's done. 228.685 for the Belgian entered Speed Lover car then. For Nigel Farmer, who has the Hong Kong flag next mm -hmm. to his name. I think that's where he's based and also, therefore, uh, his licence is that prevents uh, it will check and sign him in on. Car 188, that is the AC Motorsport Audi that we've been talking about, is reported to be losing fluid, as is car 131. Now, which one is 131? Uh, that's the Baz Kitten car. Yeah, I mean, those are the two of the leading Ooh. TCE runners, TCR uh, class, TCE division runners. Uh, Matthew Kaskinen has gone out in the AC Motorsport Audi 188 and has set the fastest time in the class. It said earlier on it was Stewie Hall who was quickest in TCR. Well, uh, it's now Matthew Taskinen in the yeah. AC Motorsport Audi. He's done a 222.8, 223.5. Uh, Chris Kemp now at the wheel of the Monlau Competition. Cupra and the 131 car, Carrie Peck and Accident, is out in the Baz Cooper Cupra. He is third fastest, 223.570. So if those cars are um, losing fluids, that's uh, not good news, but hopefully they can be sorted. But uh, it's close in uh, TCE with AC Motorsport ahead of Mon Lau and Baz Cooper, the top three at the moment. So you mentioned Mon Lau just now. Uh, let's grab a word with one of their drivers because the team are back together for uh, the Spanish team, but very much a British flavour for the pilots. With Joe Bradley is now Chris Kemp. Chris, um, just out of the car, and it's the first uh, running you've done in the dry, you tell me. 
a little bit differently yesterday, I would think. A little bit differently yesterday. Very different, very different. Yesterday was was tricky, a lot of spray, very slippery. Couldn't, you know, really struggle for grip. So it's just a delight to be in a car now where you can actually, you know, get get going. So really pleased. It's a it's a Formula One track. It's the, you know, the highest standard. It's the arguably the highest uh, standard of track we have in the United States. Some would argue that. Just set away conversation, no doubt. Um, what's your thoughts on it for this kind of car, the front-wheel drive at Seat? Well, it takes a bit of getting used to because our, our background is, is rear-wheel drive, as you may remember. And uh, so, yeah, it's definitely different. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're still getting used to it, to be honest. This is our first season, so this is our third race in front-wheel drive. And, uh, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot to learn, that's for sure. I've been told it's a physical track. Did you find that? Yeah, it's quite hard work. You can probably tell by... Uh, I'm not going to see you very sweaty at the moment, no. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's warm. It's warm in the car, and it is quite hard work, yeah. yeah. What's your favourite part of the track? Because this, this track has so many different sections that are completely, of a completely different character, doesn't it? Turn two is good because you're coming down from turn one and you can you can all take that almost flat. Really? I bet that's nice. Yeah, and there's a big bump there. It said almost flat. <laughs> yeah, almost, yeah. Big difference. There's also a big bump, so you get a bit of a whack uh, from the seat there, but uh, no, it's good. It's good fun. What's going to be the key? Front-wheel drive cars, it's all about the front tyres and how you, how you nurse those tyres. This place can really rip them up, I would think. Yeah, well, this is the uh, first time since we've been here that we've been out on slick, so we're still assessing tyre wear, so we don't know at the moment, so we'll uh, come back and ask us later. And David Tins in the car now. You've got Tom Black as your other teammate and, of course, Stewie Hall. Is it Stewie that you guys lean on with regards to where the car should be set-up-wise? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so Stewie went out this morning and, uh, you know, fluffed up the tyres, as he says, and, and uh, um, gets them warm and, and does some uh, 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 sort of demo laps effectively. And then we go and compare the data and he tells us uh, to get a move on generally, really. Yeah, that is Stewie. Does he give you guys, I mean, you guys are amateur drivers, you're not pro drivers. He's the pro, he's the superstar. Does he give you a comfortable car? Because some pro drivers give their amateur drivers pretty tricky cars to drive. Well, what sort of setup does Stewie like to give you, boys? Well, um, benign, I think, <laughs> is the answer. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when you, you call this amateurs, a lot of people are very amateur, actually. <laughs> Um, well, I meant it in the best possible way. You don't do it for a living. This is, this is your, the way you guys have fun, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we're still trying to get the hang of it. Yeah. I'm going to let you cool off now because I can see you still, you see you still sweating. Chris Kemp there with a big smile on his face. Happy to be here. And uh, Chris Kemp, David Tin and um, Tom Black. First time at quarter for those guys. Mm. And it's the third race they've done with the 24th Series this year. And, and what type of car does Chris and the boys drive? It's a Cupra. That's right. I think Seat was mentioned I did say Seat, yes. Yeah. Still making that mistake. I know, well, it's only been just over a year. It's fine. <laughs> Old habits die hard. We'll give you a bit more time. Sorry, Joe, hang on. Go ahead. There's a new Cupra in development. Is there really? Yes, because that, and, and uh, my fraudulent slip was, uh, was not deliberate. Um, it was fraudulent. fraudulent. Um, the Cupra that we see out, the TCR Cupra, is based on the Seat Leon Cup car. And it's just been slowly evolved from the Seat Leon Cup car to the current Cupra uh, status, let's say. Well, the new Cupra that's coming along for next season is a completely ground-up new build, new design on every element of the TCR regulations. There we are. 
Uh, Paul and I were having a debate whether Mon Martin Conrad is actually Franz Conrad's son. I haven't found an answer to that, but I'm sure somebody listening will know. Just the fact that they're both oh. Austrian and, th and then there are ties to Axel Jeffries because Axel's raced for Franz's team exactly, in the yes. past. So, or, or whether there's any other family. I mean, it doesn't have to be his son, but no. uh, just no. the coincidence of the name uh, and the link to possibly Axel Jeffries, who's raced as... Uh, um, I have a feeling Henrik Stills also been out in something other than a Ferrari this year. Um, GT4 Europe. Right. Um, yes. Um, but... Um, Yes, I mean, it's a good, uh, good line-up, that. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the Black Falcon Mercedes um, and that number 90 Toxport Mercedes running as a pro-class car is going to be a tough one to beat. Um, and uh, Luca certainly uh, has the pace. Hendrick still, Axel Jeffries are quick and Martin uh, Conrad as well. So um, that could be a, a car in with a shout of overall victory if it can be reliable and, uh, um, and quick at the same time. Uh, the other A6 car, which... I think we've mentioned just about all of the other ones so far. Uh, but the one we haven't mentioned is the CP Racing car, um, which are kind of on home ground this weekend. Charles Putman, Charlie Espen Laub, Joe Foster, Shane Lewis, the fourth driver in that team this weekend. Um, they were here last year under the auspices of Pro Sport Performance. Uh, this year, the team has been run by... Charles Putman, CP Racing, and um, they are in a, uh, where are they, in A6M. They're, at, they're second in A6M in the points at the moment. Uh, that is a team that took off the championship last year in A6M, having uh, won the race in A6M last year in third place overall, I seem to remember. And um, they won the year before in the 991 class. That's right, which encouraged them to uh, go up to uh, the Mercedes class. And I understand that uh, they are considering buying the latest Evo version of Mercedes for next year. Ooh, uh, new Christmas present. Um, well, possibly. Come um, on, Charlie. I think um, I hope we've not spoken out of turn there. Um, I, I was expecting you to say, oh, yes, they are, uh, Shay. But uh, I, I uh, your, your ear is somewhat closer to the ground there. <laughs> but I, I think but, they've decided they're going to buy a new. Charlie drove the new car at Portimao, didn't he? So, yeah. I mean, it's not a big secret that he's interested and a potential future customer. Yeah. Uh, and we, were talk we talked at great length about the, the quintet that tested that Mercedes in Portugal on the Algarve International Circuit earlier on in the year because it was a mixture of fully pro drivers and then the customer guys that are potentially going to get their hands on that car next year or beyond. Um, and that was, you know, by invitation only, essentially, from Mercedes. But it makes sense that you're going to get a, you know, a, a, a very, very loyal customer on side as early as possible. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them stepping up to the next thing to try and stay competitive. And, and uh, Shane Lewis in that car, we've talked yeah. it up, you see, has just moved up to third fastest in the times. Um, that car now, third fastest overall, fastest AM car, two minutes, 9.065 then for the CP Racing Mercedes. Um, not quite sure if we mentioned that, that uh, Robert Renau was second quickest uh, behind the Black Falcon Mercedes. So uh, Daniel Allerman currently behind the wheel of a Herbert Porsche, uh, two minutes, 8.272. So a 2.7 for Black Falcon Mercedes, a 2.8.2 for Herbert Porsche, a 2.9.0 for CP Racing Mercedes, and then a 2.9.08. Very close behind is the Volt Racing Porsche. That's the top four at the moment. 
fastest time we had last year. You mentioned this a little while ago, I think, Johnny. Uh, well, I mentioned pole position. Qualifying. That wasn't necessarily the fastest time, but no, normally qualifying, qualifying last year was a two minutes 5.774. Um, that was done hmm. by uh, Marvin Kirchhofer in the R Motorsport Aston Martin, which was very clearly the pace of the field here. Don't have an Aston Martin in uh, the entry list even this year. Uh, we don't have any GT3 Astons, nor even a GT4 Aston. Um, so uh, no Astons, but we'll give them a mention because they have uh, what is potentially um, the mark, the fastest lap to be aiming for last year's uh, pole position time, two minutes, 5.774. Our best shot for a fast lap should come Sunday afternoon because that will be the warmest temperatures that we'll get all weekend. Uh, a good point, but... Is warm temperature necessarily a good thing? Yes, it's in terms of well, track uh, temperature, but not necessarily air temperature. No, no, no. And and by warm temperature, I, I don't mean warm by my standards, by any <laughs> yes. sense of the meaning. Um, but it should be the least uh, harsh toward the Hankooks and trying to get tire in uh, temperature into the tires yeah. for, for a fast lap. Yeah, but uh, we won't get that happy hour that we normally do at sunset sort of thing. Uh, well, yes, we'll... And yeah, so it'd be interesting to see actually whether race pace turns out as quick as qualifying pace. I mean, normally qualifying people will push on a little bit harder, but it would be interesting to see. Qualifying tonight is uh, we get two o'clock till two forty-five for the touring cars, and then the GT cars qualifying this afternoon from three until three forty-five. Um, yes, and as I say, we can debate whether conditions are. Uh, going to be more suitable then for fast laps or whether it will actually be possible to go quicker in the race um, less of a motivation is the other thing to go in the race one fast lap in the race isn't necessarily the best thing there was a La Mera Cup on pole position last year I notice in the TCE series um, not it doesn't sort of conjure up a TCE car straight away La Mera Cup but there aren't any of those here this year um, the first of the TCRs was the LMS racing by Baz Kooten car of uh, Antti Burry and Oli Kangas, Lauksonen and Joost. And what was their time? Their time was 219.747, only three-tenths of a second slower than the La Mera Cup that was entered in SP3. But I think a sort of mid-219 may be possible. Uh, where are we at so far in this session? 221.5 is the fastest TCE division okay. car at the moment. Uh, and that is Brian Henderson, the Atlanta Speedworks. You were giving them their, hey. uh, their cheer earlier on. And another cheer from my left uh, for the Speedworks Atlanta Honda. Uh, a 221.519 makes it quickest in TCR. Uh, Matthew Taskinen's time in the AC Motorsport Audi, a 222.806. Then it's the Modern Hour Competition, Cupra, third in TCR at 223.5, just ahead of the Baz Kooten car, which I don't think Antti Bury has been out in yet, uh, number 131. That car's best time at 2 minutes 23.5. Hmm. So Cooper McNeil now piloting the Black Falcon Mercedes, which clings on to the fastest time so far. I say clings, it's six-tenths of a second, though, between McNeil and Daniel Alleman. So Mercedes versus Porsche at the sharp end. Another Mercedes-Porsche battle a little bit further back, and they are only 16 thousandths of a second separating those two uh, AM and Pro cars. So Shane Lewis in the AM Mercedes from CP Racing and Vault Racing's Porsche 
as I say, 16 thousandths of a second separate them. 209.06 and a 209.08 for Alan Brynjolfsson in the number 73 car. And there he goes, bright yellow Porsche. Can't miss it if you're watching around the track, if you happen to be here at Cirque to the Americas. As you can see it from space, can't you? Well, yes, and at Daytona in particular, Paul, when we're up in the booth sort of overlooking the entire track, your eyes just subconsciously follow the car around the entirety of the circuit because, well, you really can't look away from it. It's a highlighter yellow, and uh, we actually just had a yellow out around the circuit. We still do at turn 13. So, Paul, do you have a track map that you can access to show us perhaps who's turn, gone missing? Turn 13 is one of the two right-handers that curls around the uh, Kota Tower. Uh, and we now go to a code 60 as a result Ooh. of that. And that gives me the chance to try and uh, answer your question. I was aware that I was answering a different question um, as to which car it is that scores this uh, code 60. So we'll just look that one up now. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, so Code 60 out on track now. So our first Code 60 of the session, and yellow flags at turn 13. There's no gravel at the exit of 13, so there's Remind no... Remind me which is 13 again, because we'll talk uh, a lot about corner numbers. It's car 911. Oh, okay, so it's uh, the Porsche Lorient. Which is the Lorient then. car, not the Herbert car. Correct. Um, turn 13 is the first right-hander around the stadium section of the track where ah. then it goes into the double right-hander and then it curves back around a little weird kink off to the left and then the sharp left turn before you come back around the base of the tower in a long never-ending series of right-handers yes so it's sort of okay. the beginning of that section of track toward the start of the third sector so 12 is the is that the 12 the left-hander at the end of the very very long straight Yes. No, but that doesn't work on radio. No, I want you to describe it to me. Correct. So, so 12 is the left-hander. The hairpin is 11. And yep. then you've got the long straight that runs down that all the Formula One drivers were complaining about how bumpy it is because it does undulate quite a bit. Hard braking into the left-hander, that is 12. And then 13 is the right-hander that you set the car back up around for. Makes perfect sense. Thank you for that, Shay and Paul. Uh, Joe Bradley is in the pits for us. Yeah, Carl 717 is pro probably my favourite car in the field. It's the Marcars V8, and Jim Briori is one of the drivers. Jim, it's a pretty special occasion, this one at Quarter. It's your 100th and, you say, final 24-hour race, indeed, final race. Now, OK, I'm not going to argue the 100th, but de really, the final? Are you really sort of hanging the helmet up? Yeah, this is actually my final race. After this, I hang my helmet up when I get home. If I could just give the, our listeners some perspective, in fairness to you, hanging your helmet up, Jim, uh, how old are you? I'm sorry, repeat that again? How, how old are you, just to give it some perspective for our listeners? Well, I'm 75, I'm still quick, and I figure if you're going to leave a sport, leave it while you're on top, not when you're at the bottom. And I'm 54, I'm, you know, this, I've been racing for 54 years. I started out back in 1964, 1965, and I've raced everything except Formula One in Indianapolis, and I did have an F1 license in the 70s. Did you really? Yeah, I'm one of the few Americans that ever had an F1 license. Racing for, racing for 54 years, you should have had a therapist, Jim. That would have saved you all of that, that issue. Um, I've got to say, you know, your um, 54 years um, 
for instance, just, just reading the, uh, the series magazine, which is available on, online at 24hseries.com, you can get the magazine online. And there's a great article with you, a conversation that you had with your wife, Pat. And it's a great story, Jim. We're going to cover this across the weekend. Uh, but just briefly, you basically give a bit of a praise about your whole career, starting in a Peugeot 505 in America. Yeah, we, were the, uh, we, uh, we dragged Peugeot back into the racing scene. Now, most people don't realize it, but Peugeot is the only foreign manufacturer to have won Indianapolis three times, 1913, 1916, and 1919. So we dragged them back in the beginning of 1980, 81, and we had what we called the Brown Bomber. It was a four-door Peugeot 505, weighed about 4,000 pounds, had a 96-horsepower engine, and ran on 175 tires. Now, it's like running on rubber bands. We were always the slowest car in the field, but we had a 19-gallon fuel tank, so we never, the very first race was at Nelson Ledges, and we never passed one car on the track. All the leaders would be uh, pitting after one hour to get fuel. We go three and a half hours before, between fuel stops. So while they're getting fuel, we're taking our laps, taking our laps. And the drive, one driver got in, he's in for about an hour, and he goes, hey, man, I got to pee. He said, pee your pants. You're not coming into your run out of gas. No, oh, man, what if I do that? What about the other drivers? We'll put some towels down. They'll just think you're sweating a lot. He didn't, he didn't pee his pants. When he got out of the car, it was a beeline right to the porta potty. <laughs> he didn't pee his pants. I've tried that, actually. It's impossible to do. So we, um, we actually won that race. And Danny Sullivan was my co-driver. He just came back from doing uh, some stuff in, in Europe. And... Uh, I've met Danny a number of times at different racetracks over the years, and he says the most fun I've ever had racing was that damn brown Peugeot. He says even better than Formula One. That is fantastic. Uh, Jim, you are ending your career uh, in a front-engine V8 car, and it's kind of where the crux of your career was in Trans Am, big engine, uh, big, you know, powerful, noisy car. Um, you've just been out on track in the 717, What's the track conditions like in your car at the moment then? I would imagine it's a bit tricky. It's always tricky in the best of conditions. In the United States, there's a number of different racetracks, like uh, Mid-Ohio is a really good racetrack. I like Watkins Glen. I love here at Coda. This is really a very challenging track because it's very technical. Overseas, my most favorite is the Nürburgring because it's the most challenging and also the most dangerous. You still like that bit. Of course, you raced when motor racing was dangerous. You raced in the days when motor racing was dangerous and, uh, and sex was safe. It's completely reversed now. Right. <laughs> I know, I know. It's very noisy down here. Jim, I'm going to leave you to it. I know you've just gotten out of the car. Uh, who's in the car at the moment? Uh, uh, Ward, it's not your job to know. Ward, He's out in the car now. Okay. Uh, we have a few... We're a little bit off the pace of the leaders, but we have a few adjustments to make, which I think will bring us back in. Yeah, okay. So, know, it's, it's kind of different between racing in the rain and racing in the dry. You have to have a little bit different setup. Right. But the car feels really good. I was out there. I didn't work too hard. I did sweat a little bit, but uh, the car feels really good, and I think once we get the adjustments done, it's even going to be easier to drive. That's what we like to hear. Great stuff. Jim Briotti still having fun and enjoying it to the very end. And uh, what a career, 54 years racing. That's, that's kind of bordering on insanity, to be fair. <laughs>
it's most impressive and this i reckon is his fourth 24-hour race of the year as well having done two previously in that mark car at portimao and barcelona but he also took part in the nurburgring 24 hours in a porsche cayman with pixum team adrenaline motorsport so busy old 2019 yeah i mean it's good to hear him say about the nurburgring being his uh, favorite european circuit and certainly uh, a good number of those uh, races that he's done um, 24 hour races that he's done over the years in Europe have been at the Nürburgring 24 hours so uh, uh, I actually haven't got him as being in the car this weekend yet uh, Court Oyser having done the starting two stints then Ina Thorsten took it over and as uh, Jim was saying Ward Sloyce currently at the wheel um, so if Jim has been out then he has to make sure that he turns his uh, little driver ID to be correct because otherwise we're not going to <laughs> see him so uh, they probably didn't have driver IDs when uh, uh, Jim was first driving uh, the car that was stranded out on track has now made its way back to the pits and to the feet of Nick Damon. Uh, been tugged by a very, very impressive, massive Nissan truck. Uh, you certainly have a, a quality tow environment here at the Circuit of the Americas. Uh, been pushed in the 901 course Laurent car, showing absolutely no sign of damage, showing absolutely no leakage of gravel. So this thing has um, just sort of opened down effectively as I get feedback to the PA. Um, so he's uh, obviously a problem. We'll try and find what it's late. Um, and I've actually walked up to the far end of the, uh, the uh, pit lane, so I'll be able to give you an exclusive fuel station report. All right, thank you. So that is the fuel station where you enter by turning left at the very end of the pit lane. Um, there are two options, whether to return to the track and not have any fuel, or do the sensible thing and do that little circuit, which will be a clockwise direction, despite the track being anti-clockwise. It's not a, oh, being told it's not clockwise. So that means that actually there's going to be a cross point. Uh, Nick Damon? Yeah. I'm trying to get a clear signal here. You turn left and you have to carry on going anti-clockwise as you sweep round. It's quite a long way away. And you sweep round the, uh, the eight pumps that are available. So there's eight pumps available for the car. 29 pumps, they are diesel core. And, um, yes, it's, 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 if you follow the car to 24 hours, it's another different class. Um, two years ago, it was, it was a very short left, actually it was quite near where the medical centre is, uh, which is literally adjacent to the track. They now moved it much more of a ballot, and it's a much longer run around the past. It's the carrier going out of and the point, actually there's a cross point, uh, in and out, but that's marshaled by our trucks. Uh, uh, nine cars, I think, apart from some post-season, hopefully that takes any risk away from the last figure of eight race meeting I saw at uh, Wimbledon Stadium. Um, but yes, the, there is the potential, therefore, for a bit of confusion, even though there are marshals on the point where you, uh, you're crossing over. So, continuing round, steering left, hoping that there's a... a a pit bay available for you uh, next to one of the fuel pumps and then you continue on steering left before rejoining the pit lane and there'll be a little bit of a blend line to get back into pit lane proper before you then return to the racetrack and head up the hill towards turn one and nick said eight fuel pumps but we've had a message from race control to say the fuel pump number three will not be active for the weekend it will not be in use so that means that there are only seven fuel pumps now but that should still by my reckoning be plenty for oh, the yeah. 29 cars um 
so it should be uh, sh shouldn't be a big issue. Uh, just had an improvement from Lucas Stoltz, uh, up to second fastest in the times now in the Top Sport WRT Mercedes. Um, just in case anyone else is wondering, WRT of Top Sport, nothing to do with WRT of Belgium, who run GT3 cars. It's just part of their name, World Rally Team. Uh, Talksport having been in uh, a number of GT3 races this year. But Talksport do service not only GT3 cars, but a team in the Career Cup Deutschland and rallying as yes. well, because John looked it up on their website and they yes. proudly proclaim that they're a part of Creventic. Yes, that's right. But the point is that people may may hear WRT yes. and think of the WRT, the WRT racing team, uh, which is run by Pierre Dudonne and uh, his uh, crew of uh, very enthusiastic uh, Belgians. Um, and that WRT is purely a coincidence of initials. Um, so anyway, Lucas Saltz then second fastest then now with a 2 minutes 7.845 compared to the 2 minutes 7.666 that was set by Jerome Blakemolen at the beginning of the session. Third fastest is still Robert Renauer's time of 2 minutes... Actually, it wasn't. It was an Alfred Renauer time, 2 minutes 8.272. So uh, well done to uh, Alfred. Uh, Robert did the first uh, little stint for Herbert. Uh, then Albert took the car, Alfred took the car over and he set the time of 2 minutes 8.272 to be third fastest. Fourth fastest is the uh, CP Racing Mercedes, Shane Lewis's time of 2 minutes 9.065. And fifth fastest is the number 73 Volt Racing Porsche, uh, 2 minutes 9.081 was the time set by Richard Highstand in the 73 car. It's impressive from Richard. He's got some uh, Super Cup experience. He ran in that series in 2018. But as I said, he's been driving the Lexus RCF this year, the GT3 version, which is very, very different from the Porsche. So that's a good bit of adaptation that he's done so far. Yes, it, I, I'm potentially prompting some of our pit reporters, but... Uh, we are seeing more and more drivers jumping from one GT3 car to another. Uh, we experienced at the TCR race, the TCR 500 at Spa, uh, people driving different TCR cars. So Audi drivers switching to uh, Cupras. I know there was a Hyundai driver who raced in the uh, touring car series, uh, who raced in the TCR 500 uh, in a Audi. Um, but I was told there that actually there wasn't a lot of difference between the TCR cars. Most TCR cars are roughly the same, whatever brand they are. Mm. But in GT cars, I get the feeling that there are some very significant differences. And if you talk to somebody like Rick Broikers, who's had the opportunity to drive Lamborghinis, Audis and Mercedes, they are very different beasts. And obviously, you know, you put the engine at the front, the engine at the back, you have different suspension configurations of the cars. Um, so, but it would be interesting if uh, you know Nick or um, Joe or you, Che, later on uh, can talk to some of the drivers. You know, Axel Jeffries, um, uh, Richard Highstant, who have driven different types Trent of Hinman. GTs. Yeah, and, and to compare what the different characteristics of them are and how easy it is to switch yeah. from one to another. Well, I mean, for Trent in particular, uh, he raced the Acura NSX GT3 this year, won the GTD Championship in that, by the way. But that's a, a very 
claustrophobic cockpit of a car, it, it's very difficult to sort of make yourself feel comfortable in it because when you look out, your visibility is a lot less than that of what you get, say, in the Porsche. So it's a, a different process to jump back and forth between the two cars and that's just the aesthetics of it that's just a comfort level that's not talking about your braking the feel of the engine being located in a completely different part of the car as the lexus to the porsche so it really is a skill new fastest time uh from lucas stoltz two minutes 6.857 now from lucas so he's getting wow. quite uh, close to that aston martin time from last year uh two minutes five point seven was the fastest lap in qualifying last year but luca then in the mercedes is now done two minutes 6.857 uh, eight tenths of a second quicker than the time set by Corinne blake molan earlier on the number four Black Falcon Mercedes now has Felipe Fraga behind the wheel. <laughs> and so we'll see what Felipe is going to be able to do. We've only got, uh, what, just over 15 minutes of this hour and a half session to go. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? That's a very funny situation between the top two cars because Lucas Stoltz used to share a car with Jerome Blake-Mullen and Ben Keating in the endurance races for IMSA and, and Le Mans. He was upgraded, so he was no longer able to fill that role, and Felipe Fraga came in as the replacement. So Luca is competing this weekend against his former teammates, but he's also right now battling directly in time with his replacement to say, hey guys, I'm still better than him. <laughs> and uh, Felipe Fraga, I think, has also had, um, Johnny will be able to do this one, um, experience driving a Ferrari GT3 car. Um, uh, I'm misremembering that. Well, of course, he was part of the team that thought they'd won Le Mans this year. And in the were Ford, then correct. In the Ford GT for uh, Keating Motors, well, for... It was Keating Motorsports, Yeah, correct. but the wins, the wins liveried yes. yeah. Ford GT, which was then, after the race, disqualified because of a couple of things. The fuel tank was the wrong size, and I think the fuel, the, the aperture, the nozzle, was in incorrect size as well. Um, is it in part of the WEC, though, for the whole of this season, which, of course, spans 19 and 2020, although didn't race in Shanghai last weekend. And you're right, Shay, we had this conversation uh, yesterday that he was busy doing his Brazilian stock cars because there's still two meetings to go there. What? The last meeting's the 15th of December. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, uh, yeah, more Brazilian stock car racing for Felipe Fraga to come, but he was busy doing that uh, last year. He's a Blancpain Endurance Series champion at silver level with Aka ASP. That was uh, this year as well. Ferraris. Yeah, that's in the isn't it, as well, yeah. The Aka team will be, yes. Yeah. He's raced with Riley with the, the AMG GT3. Mm. Was the Keating, endurance champion this year? I'll have to do some digging regarding the Ferrari, but okay. it's possible because he's a multi-talented uh, racing driver in all sorts of disciplines. Joe Bradley, who have you grabbed this time in the pits? Oh. I've got Martin Berry. He's just got out of the number 70, the Mercedes. That's the Talksport WRT Mercedes. Martin and I just chatting there about uh, Martin's experience here. He did the race here last year. Martin, uh, what were you in last year? Yeah, well, uh, my very first GT3 race ever was this race here uh, last year. So... Uh, it's nice to first come GT3 back. race. Yeah, yeah, wow! Yeah. So uh, it's nice to come back and uh, having done a season in Blancpain Europe uh, this year to uh, see how much progress I've made versus the first race uh, this time last year. But uh, yeah, it's an amazing circuit. Love this track. It's nice to have some dry weather today, which is uh, which is much better to try and uh, find the uh, find the limits of the car. So uh, yeah, it's really good. Were you in the Mercedes last year? No, I wasn't. I uh, raced in the uh, Ferrari. 
in the 488 GT3, and uh, that's what I've uh, what I've been racing most of this year um, in the Blancpain series. So uh, it's nice to jump into the AMG. I think it's uh, it's a nice car for endurance. That's for sure. Well, two GT3 cars with completely different design concept. The Mercedes AMG GT that you're in now, front engined. Ferrari mid-engine. What's the difference from the driver's perspective? Yeah, sure. I think that um, I think the, the Ferrari and some of the other cars uh, are more suited to people who can really know where the limit is. Um, so I find that the difference between the Pro and the AM in a car like the Ferrari is usually the delta is quite a lot higher. Uh, I think the AMG have done a fantastic job in terms of building a very AM-friendly car that still has all the performance to uh, run at the front and win championships. Um, so you'll find that the delta between the Pro and the AM is not so significant as it is in the Ferrari because I think the, uh, the AMG is just a little bit more friendly to drive, I find, and uh, you don't have to really get right, right on the limit, uh, and the car's not as snappy and won't punish you as much, so... Uh, yeah. You've kind of described the perfect endurance racing car, haven't you? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's very well suited to that because, uh, you know, obviously with the uh, German reliability as well as, um, yeah, just the, the, the amount of kind of... Uh, strain on the body and that i also find it a little less with the amg than i do with the uh, with the ferrari and things so uh yeah i think it's going to be great to uh, to do the next 24 hours in that car and the next 24 hours at quarter um the circuit fabulous circuit fabulous facility here in texas um again give me from a, a driver's perspective your favorite parts yeah sure so uh, you're right i mean I, I actually live in singapore and uh it's hard to come here when it's so cold and it's a far way to come but you know, what brings you here is this track, and this event is fantastic because obviously there's not a hell of a lot of racing around this time of the year. So I think this is a fantastic opportunity for people to keep getting seat time. Um, the thing I love about the, the circuit is it's just a really nice, big, wide open circuit, very American style. Um, there's lots of runoff, so you can really try and push and find the limits here. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting elements technically in this track that keep it very interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a combination of also the weather that uh, makes it a very enjoyable 24 hours versus racing in, you know, more, more hotter temperatures. Yeah. It's, it's a track that can, um, that can punish a lap time without punishing the car. Yeah. What's going to be the key to a good run here over 24 hours? Yeah, sure. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think clearly the key is consistency. Um, you know, I think it's going to be that, you know, banging out just good, consistent lap times, not taking any unnecessary risk. As you know well, there's a myriad of cars here with different speeds and performance. So, you know, sometimes you've got to, you want to go for the gap, but sometimes it's just not smart. You've got to manage the risks and things like that. It's a long race. So, uh, yeah, I think the key is consistency and, and just taking calculated risks, not doing anything silly. So, yeah. Great stuff. I'll come and see you on Sunday afternoon and see if that's still the case. Okay, good on you. Great. Nice story, Martin. Martin Berry there, who uh, has just gotten out of the, uh, the number 70, as I said. And whilst I was talking, the uh, sister car, which was the number 90, so these cars with uh, Talksport WRT are numbered 70 and 90, and there's not much difference with them aesthetically, uh, other than the numbers, that is. And the fact that one runs in A6 Am, the other runs in A6 Pro, um, which... 
as Joe was saying, if you're looking at the car, I can't tell any difference between them, but the uh, driver lineups uh, and the driver time uh, is in the AM car. Uh, the AM drivers have to do a minimum of 12 hours driving over the uh, course of the 24. Add the two parts together, you don't have to kind of do a proportion in each half of the race. It's only the total of the two parts, the aggregate of the two parts that counts for that. Um, but uh, yes, Joe was saying, the uh, number 90 car running in the pro class, the number 70 car running in the AM class, which means that Martin Berry and George Kurtz in the AM car will have to do at least half of the race between the two of them. And Eric Zhang, whose name appeared on timing and scoring earlier this morning at the start of the session. So he was marked uh, not on the entry list that you printed out, Paul, but he was definitely on the timing and scoring. That's fine. Yes because the, the entry list we're working off this morning is an unofficial one. Yes. Uh, so, produced last but, night. But the thing that makes that a lot easier is 12 hours sounds like a scary amount of time for the amateur drivers to offer, but then when three of your four drivers are amateurs, it actually looks like a very scary time for Nick Foster, who's the pro driver in that car, who then you would expect to pick up the slack and be driving about half the race himself. Exactly so, and uh, in a way, that's, that's one of the things I like about the way that Preventic does things. They've uh, they've worked their way through these regulations to get to something very good indeed. Yeah. The, the online entry list is uh, somewhat fluid as well, but does now have four drivers and the ones we've mentioned next to Car 70, the A6AM entered Top Sport WRT Mercedes. Nick Damon has found Joe Foster from CP Racing. Absolutely, CP Racing. Um, well, you, you're contesting your home race for the first time as CP Racing. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's obviously a much nicer day than yesterday, so we chose to not run in the wet because we knew the weather wasn't going to be uh, the same for the weekend. So we're getting used to the circuit now, and obviously, uh, as I'm sure everybody is discussing, it's a good bit bumpier than last year, so we're trying to adapt to that, but otherwise all good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because obviously we had this, this a report a couple of weeks ago from the F1 drivers, oh, it's impossible to drive, it's too bumpy, oh, my, my brain hurts. I mean, how much worse is it than last year, Joe? Um, it's definitely different. If you look at the data, you can tell the data doesn't lie, and so uh, we're having to adapt online a little bit. Also, they've ground a few areas of the track uh, compared to last year, so we're trying to adapt to that. It's definitely settling, which happens you know, with, with circuits as they age. So, talking about the Mercedes and CP uh, racing, how would you sum up your year so far, well, coming into the last race? Oh, no, I think we've had a great season. We've learned a lot. Uh, the level of competition of the series uh, is getting higher and higher as always and uh, as every year as you've seen with us in the past we have good luck and bad luck on code 60s things like that but we've had a great year you're a, you're a strange bunch of americans because you do most of your racing in europe but do you, do you feel this is a home race or do you feel that it's an away race because you race so rarely in the u.s well certainly for our team which is based in germany it's an away race uh, we very much enjoy racing in europe and i'm very grateful to charlie for putting this all together for us and uh we're you know we, we, we like we like to, to share this circuit with our european friends for sure and you got Shane in the team again? Sorry? You got Shane, uh, Lewis Shane in, in the car again? Yeah, absolutely. We're very happy to have Shane back. Obviously, he did a race with us before over in Europe, and uh, he's a fantastic part of the team. Excellent. Thanks, Joe. That's uh, Joe Foster from 85 CP Racing uh, AMG GT3. I think I've got all the uh, pieces of paper. Anything else you say? Red, it's blue, it's white. That's a lot, isn't it? Indeed. And we'll talk about Charlie and Charles, because there is a difference within the team. Can you remember which way around it is, Nick? Yeah. Uh, it's Charlie Putnam and Charles Espen now. That's right. Well Very done. Good. It's almost like I've been doing this several years, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Re repetition is key to it, it, it I think. Is. At my age, it is, because otherwise it just doesn't go in. <laughs> there we are. Right. Martin Conrad is now in the number 90 car, and it's a 206.857 in the A6 Pro 
class leader and overall indeed. Two Mercedes AMG GT3s at the top of timing and scoring with Porsche third, Herbert Motorsport, previous winners of this event and overnight leaders in 2018 as well. And then the next two Mercedes are from A6 AM division, Mick Foster and Charlie Putman in 70 and 85 respectively. Now, the driver ID column has confused me somewhat because I all of a sudden thought they were both class leaders, but no, there is a driver <laughs> ID column as well which tells us which driver is in effectively. Some timing screens tend to give us only surnames and possibly the first letter of, of the first name as well. But when you've got a Paul and Patrice Lafargue, that's very tricky to tell the difference. But uh, obviously the, the ID helps us out. However, um, race timeservice.nl, who are providing the, uh, the timing and scoring this weekend, give us both first and second names, surnames in the driver column, which is most useful, Yes, particularly late at night on a Saturday and Sunday. We now have a time turn from uh, car number 411, which is a bit perplexing because the USRD Janetta had been withdrawn as of the last entry list that I saw, Paul. Um, <laughs> yes, I don't think it had been withdrawn so much as not completed its entry properly, and so it kind of didn't appear on my provisional but, entry list. But it's uh, not on the official entry list that Peter just kindly brought us. Um, no, I was going to say it will be, but it's not, is it? No. He's curious. Well, um, there we are. So the uh, uh, 411. <laughs> Nick's laughing because he knows the answers to this. Go on so then, I'm going to ask him instead. The 411 uh, is a BMW M3 teammate car of the 450, the RHC machine, okay. uh, that was actually all stick up and ready to go with uh, three of the names on which are in the 450. So the Jorgensen, Strom, and uh, Strom, not the other two, Danny Van Donden and John Miller. That was, I assume, used yesterday in practice. And the reason it's got a time is because to get it out of the garage, rather than get out the back, they wheeled it backwards down the pit lane. So it's active transponder from yesterday. It must have pinged the timing loop. Uh, it's, uh, it's registering 30 seconds through sector one, though, Nick. Well, what's happened now is it's going incredibly quickly as well. I have no <laughs> idea because last I saw it, it was going backwards. Hmm. Uh, and it is to say, the, it, is, it, is, well, it is a BMW M4, it is yeah. being run by RHC, it does have the same numbers as everything else, but and it's it was on, going backwards slowly earlier. It's on the online yeah. version of the entry list. This is what I'd said at the start of our little broadcast, but uh, there is a picture of a Janetta uh, G55, but it says BMW M4 GT4 next to it. Uh, Darren Jorgensen, Brett Strom, Danny Van Dongen, and John Miller, which is exactly the same driver lineup expected in the 450 car. Uh, the, the, so. tracker, the tracker has it heading down the back straight at the moment and uh, heading into turn 12. Uh, Shay was describing corner numbers earlier on. Uh, turn 11 being the hairpin furthest away from the start-finish line. Turn 12 being what is very nearly a hairpin at the end of the straight as well. It kind well, of looks on some circuit maps like a straight left-hander. We've now, courtesy of Peter Fry, had a, an official entry list delivered and both BMWs are entered. Uh, 411 and 450 with exactly the same driver lineup for each um, unfortunately the entry list that he's brought us now which needs readjusting as far as the size on the paper is concerned uh, only tells me that it's a bmw at the very bottom of the page and then two up from the bottom is another m4 gt4 but they are both from rhc jorgensen slash strom 
And, and uh, Paul needs to see it to believe it. Right, so but it is a right. Is that in a pit lane now? Uh, uh, I'm just bit looking lane. for it to come the through now. Let me, let me see if I can drag a word with one of the drivers. Two, two drivers of this, this team, Fuffy, are, are hanging around uh, in the garage, and I'll have a word with. Uh, uh, it is uh, Darren Jorgensen. Darren, can I grab a quick word. Quick word. Oh, he's better get in. Quick word with Brett's from. Oh. Ah, they're having a conversation. They are, they, they've got important things to talk about. Oh, not sure. So they've got a massive conversation to have over the last remaining uh, four minutes of this session. Um, three minutes of session. I don't think they're going to get out again. Anyway, so if they ever do actually get off their high horses, we'll have a conversation with them. Sorry, Nick. I was busy in the conversation then, and uh, presumably Darren was short of words, was he? Getting in the car, I believe. Ah, okay, right. Well, that makes yeah. sense. So, Has to actually go to work. Yes. Poor guy. Uh, and and that now there is a decision to be made which car he's going to get in. Because <laughs> how, how uh, uh, do they look different when you approach them, or are they exactly the same type of livery? Obviously, the 411 or the 450 on the, the driver's door is a bit of a giveaway. Um, but yeah, there's but, going, they're going to have to be carefully calculating driver stints there. And also, I mean, Paul's already suggested the minimum and maximum drive times but you add another car into the mix becomes ever more complicated i suppose that's a team manager's nightmare right danny get ready you're gonna get in the car which car oh yeah i forgot to tell you no wrong car wrong car don't leave the pit lane oh never mind yeah that uh that that has a recipe for disaster so that well, also you know they think right who are we going to put in next uh, to to that car it's going to be john okay fine no, he's driving the other car. Exactly. That's not going to happen. And we now have two teams in that situation because Kelly Moss Road and Race entered the car originally, number 906. Now they've also added a second car, number 910. Yeah. So that at least is a five-driver lineup, a little bit more wiggle room for them. But the three Ducotis, Andrew Davis and um, Alan Metney, definitely going to be getting their fill of track time this weekend too. At that least those cars look different though, Johnny. Yes, yeah, true. That does help. And for each of those teams, if they get a very good result this weekend and a double podium, the presentation's going to be rather interesting as well, <laughs> with uh, drivers needing to hot-foot it from one step to the other, potentially. Mm. There was an incident just then that flashed up quickly between turns 11 and 12, I noticed. On the straight, yes. yeah. Well, yeah, that's quite a large portion of the, the track, isn't yeah. it? Because it's from the, the far end of the circuit, as far as where we're, we're sitting, turn 11, which is the hairpin bend, although it's not a full 180 degree left-hander, down the long straight where you could draft a car in front of you into turn 12. I think it's the 411. I think it's the BMW <laughs> that we were just talking about. He's 30 seconds late to the, the uh, start-finish line. Okay. Uh, Checkered flag is imminent as well. We have, uh, what, 20 seconds showing uh, still to go on the hour and a half of this free practice session. So hopefully they won't need to... Uh, um, abort the uh, session before the end and uh, say we'll get through to the full 90 minutes due of the session and yellow flag still being shown on the back straight time ticks down from uh, one hour 30 down to zero and the chequered flag I can see now from our position uh, being waved just at the beginning of the start finish. The start finish line uh, at Kota is uh, at the very start of the start finish straight, um, whereas the 
that's the finish line. The start line is uh, up towards the end. So big grandstand overlooking the start finish straight. The start line is at the far end and the finish line is at the beginning. Hmm. Nick Foster's on a better lap. Personal best and overall best sector one. So could that number 70 Mercedes be dragged up to the head of the field in the dying moments of this session? Well, he's due in about six seconds time. We'll find out if the TalkSport WRT Mercedes goes up above third, and it does not. We'll finish in that third position. Yeah, they've done an impressive middle sector time, 49.3, but passed the yellow flag because that's still being shown, as far as I can tell, between 11 and 12. So if he'd gone quicker than Martin Conrad and Felipe Fraga, he might have had one or two questions to answer regarding the clerk of the course. Uh, Maybe offering us then an answer to uh, this extra car, although if you're going by the online uh, entry list, it was always there. Uh, Brett Strom from that team. Brett, you've massively surprised us by throwing a second car into the race. All over. Suddenly, the 411 was wheeled backwards. Next thing, it's going around the track. What's going on, mate? Uh, we had to get it through scrutineering because we weren't planning on running it initially, uh, but we decided this morning <laughs> to, we had a spare car, so why not? So there's still a couple things we've got to sort out, but uh, yeah, we're... We're going to run it through qualifying and night practice, and we'll see what happens. So, so the idea is for the same set of drivers to run two cars. That's the plan right now. Is there not enough track time already? You know, uh, not for the car owner, no. So he wants to drive a lot, and I don't blame him. This track is super fun. This event fun. So uh, he had a spare car, and he's like, let's just go run it. So. so where do these cars normally run? What what series are they normally racing in? Um, Pirelli World Challenge, Krevenic, those are the main series. So that's our, we're, we're mostly running PWC and then Krevenic, the races we can make, so. So you've got two cars to get through qualifying coming up next. I mean, is it a case of everyone having two, two drives of each car or is it the same person going to try to be fastest in both of them? Uh, no, I think, that, I think Darren's going to start in uh, 450, and so he'll, which is our main car still, and so he's going to qualify it. And uh, we, haven't, we have a lot of decisions to make. I don't know who's going to qualify the other car. So we're just kind of, you know, just make it fun. Great stuff. That's great. Good fun indeed. So that's it. Do you know what? I'm a bit bored. I'll enter a second car. Why not? If you've got the, the chassis here and you've got drivers willing to do it, uh, they will have to abide by uh, quite strict rest period regulations, though. So not necessarily how long you've been in the car, but how long you can then sit in the garage, get some rest, get some food inside as well before then taking that car over again. But uh, a lot of endurance championships dictate a certain amount of time out the car. Is it still half the time you've just been in it? Yes, it is. That's right. So, right. so that's relatively easy it, to... It's easy to work out, but it does mean that every rest period is different from the previous rest period because stints can be anywhere between, well, nothing, and, and two hours is the maximum stint. But it, if you work on the principle of you have to have an hour's break, then you'll be absolutely safe. Um, but as I say, if you've only driven the car for one hour, then your rest only has to be for half an hour. Um, but it's, it's getting all the other... As far as uh, the cars running in the non-GT3 classes are concerned, it is much easier um, because it's only in the A6 class where you have the, uh, the pro driver uh, regulation. So that makes life somewhat easier for, for team managers getting everything uh, organised correctly. Right, so uh, free practice is done, and now there's a bit of period of time uh, away from the track for these particular drivers, but uh, Radicals due um, at 12.55 for their first race. 
but the next session for the 24H series cars will be at 1.55 local time and that will be qualifying in two parts for the TCE series and then for the GT series to set the grid for only the third ever running of the Cota 24 hours the uh, final race of the 2019 season of this Creventic promoted uh, event and it will also of course determine who wins the uh, the championship of the continents and we've already mentioned about the fact that it's Dubai and then the best result from Portimao or Barcelona and then this weekend at Cota so uh, an inkling as to who might be fast. I'm pleased to see Mercedes and Porsche with good cars this weekend. Car Collection Motorsport might be an outside bet as well in the A6 AM category. And TCR within the TCE category set to be very, very close indeed. And a good little championship showdown there uh, between the, the regulars, Baskooten Racing and uh, Autorama Motorsport as well. So join us later on for the RS1 coverage of this event uh, on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. My thanks to Joe Bradley and Nick Damon who have been working hard in the pit lane and also to Paul Trustwell and Shay Adam. From Johnny Palmer, bye for now, but join us later today. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.